Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses joining us right now. I want to welcome our South Shore, our Gulf Coast campus online here at Little Creek, and our newest campus, the Orleans Justice Center. Come on, can we just welcome all those campuses that are joining us right now? I have been looking forward to this moment really for about nine months. Last spring, uh, we got together as a team and we started to plan and pray about what we were going to do uh, for this time of the year. We used to call this first six-week series of the new year, we used to call it the Spiritual Emphasis Series. Now we call it a community series. Pastor, why do we call it that? Why the change? Because Church of the King and Church of the King small groups don't just exist for Church of the King people. They exist for the people in our community. And so we are really excited. And we got together as a team. We started thinking about what are we going to do? This is all our material. We didn't get this off of the internet. We didn't get it from another church. We wrote this as a team. We began to think about the questions of life. Those universal questions such as, why am I here? You know, everybody asks that question. What is my purpose? Why was I placed on this planet what gives life meaning? It's amazing the lengths that people go to answer those questions. And that's what this series is about. I'm going to take six weeks. I want to talk about why we were placed on this purpose. I want to talk on this earth, what purpose that we have. I want to talk about the meaning of life. And I'm going to do it in six different ways. Number one, Today I want to talk about, I, I believe the very first purpose that God placed us on this planet is, is to know God and to walk with God. Next week I'm going to talk about how God has designed each one of you not to be stagnant, not to be stuck in life, but to grow. To grow emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, obviously physically, that, 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 that we were all called to grow. I'm going to also talk about generosity, how God has called you and I not just to live for ourselves, but to, to make a contribution. That every person, every relationship, every moment in our lives, we ought to leave better than we found it. I also want to talk to you about how God has placed within us the capacity to relate to one another. Listen, God has made us relational beings. I've heard people say before, well, you know what? I don't really need anybody. Eh, wrong answer. <laughs> Not according to the Bible. Matter of fact, this Bible, now listen to me closely. Don't misquote what I'm about to say. This Bible is the best book on this planet. Just how to get along with other human beings. I, 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 listen, even if you took out the whole concept of knowing God, which is the foundation, this is the best relational manual as well. How to resolve conflict, how to walk with people, how to not take your glove and go home and say, I quit. But how to really push through, everybody say push through. I'm going to talk to you about how the Bible is the manual for life. I mean, how to get along with people, how to resolve things, so powerful. I'm going to also talk about in this Bible, how one of the purposes that God has created us with is to how to serve, how to add value to people, how, how this life is, it, it, God has designed us to, to how to, to really serve as a leader, particularly those of you that are in leadership positions. You do not want to miss week five. And then I'm going to end up talking about how the ultimate reason why God did not kill us after he saved us and left us on this planet is to share the great love of God. Ultimately, God has a message for you and I. So I'm going to just say it one more time. I won't say it again. I'm going to ask you, 
Would you give me six weeks of your life on the weekend for an hour and 15 minutes? That, that's all I'm asking. Now, I have strategically designed this. We have planned this as a team. We've been praying for you guys, particularly those of you that are guests. Maybe you've come because you got a postcard in the mail. Maybe you saw it on social media. Maybe you saw a billboard. We have done everything we can to try to get the message out that your life, listen, that you were born for a purpose. I'm asking you to give us six weeks. Notice where Mardi Gras is this year. Very late. Can I have a big amen? <laughs> so there's no excuses, all right? We actually finish a week before Mardi Gras, not the weekend of, all right? So, so we have Saturday night service, by the way, I wanna say our Saturday night here at the Little Creek campus. Now our other campuses don't, but at the Little Creek we have Saturday night at 5.30, Sunday morning here at 9, 11, 15. Again, all the campuses have similar times on Sunday, some at 9.30. So I'm gonna ask you to invest the next six weeks of your life. If you miss a Saturday, Saturday, you come on a Sunday, miss a Sunday. Again, if you're out of town, you can watch us online. We have literally a ton of people that are watching us online right now. You can click into that, all right? Number two, I'm gonna say it one more time. Please, would you consider getting in a small group? Pastor, you know, what if I go to a small group and the people are weird? I say this respectfully, this is not Cuba. You can go to another small group. And I really mean that. Well, pastor, what if I go to that one and the people are strange? Then you've got a problem. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Hey, there is counseling at Church of the King, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, pastor, why small groups? Man, why do you always push small groups? Because we're, here's what we believe. We really believe that life transformation happens best in circles. That's where you get a flesh. You ever been in a service? I know you have. You thought, man, I wish I could ask the pastor a question. Well, I can't stop and answer questions. How We would never get out of here. But you can in a small group, all right? Give it a try. Taste and see that small groups are good. The last thing is please get one of those journals. Look, we'll give you one if you don't have the money. We want everybody to go. You will start your reading, by the way, tomorrow morning, and it's 42 days of reading. I'm sure you've asked that question before. What is life all about? Is there more to this life? Last uh, Two summers ago, I had the opportunity. My daughter graduated. She came with me, my oldest daughter, I have a younger one, but my oldest daughter, uh, when she graduated from high school, before she went to college, I told her that I was gonna take her in the summertime on a ministry trip. I had the opportunity to, to preach and teach in London, and then we went to Israel together. And uh, I've been to London a bunch of times. It's a magical place. It's a wonderful, uh, so much history there, so much of history related to even us as the birthing uh, of our nation in the United States, uh, of America, and it's, it's interesting because there's this enchanting sense when you get there of this royalty and we went to Windsor Castle. I mean, we went to all the different places, Buckingham Palace and saw the changing of the guards. And that, that is a real sight to see, by the way. I mean, that is, that is really amazing. And it's, it's always interesting when you begin to think of kind of the, how the king and the queen and, you know, and the queen is in, in her 90s over there. Of course, one of, of her son that, that will be the next, that will be the king is, is Prince Charles. And, I'll never forget a number of years ago reading a quote from Prince Charles. And of course, his late, his, his, his first wife, Princess Diana. And, 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 and there was something in their quote that really bespeaks of the message today. Answering the question of why. Why we were placed on this planet. I, I want you to hear this. This is such a powerful quote. Princess Charles, Prince Charles said this. He says, for all the advantages of science... There remains deep in the soul a persistent and unconscious anxiety 
that something is missing. Something's, I want you to hear that. There's an anxious, unconscious anxiety that something is missing. Princess Diana, speaking at a charity event, she did a lot of charity work, as many of you know. Here's what she said. There's an overwhelming sense of loss and isolation that undermines many people's efforts to survive and cope with the complexities of modern life. She goes on to say, listen to this, listen to what she says. People know there's something missing on the inside. Isn't that interesting? You can have all the luxuries of life and all the accomplishments in life, but, but, but people know, we fundamentally know that there's, there's something missing. Very famous British journalist, Bernard Levine, I'll finish with this quote. Here's what he said. Countries like ours, speaking of England and Great Britain, but, but very characteristic of the, the whole Western world and really all of civilization. Here, here's what he said. Countries like ours are full of people that have all the material comforts they desire together with the non-material blessings as a happy family and yet they, they lead lives of quiet and at times noisy desperation. Understanding that nothing but the fact that there's this, this hole on the inside of them. This is from a secular journalist, by the way. There's this hole on the inside of them. However much food and drink they pour into it, however many cars and accomplishments and televisions that they stuff into it, however many well-balanced children and loyal friends they have around the edges of life, they still have hearts that ache. They know that something's missing. You ever been there before? I know I have. I remember coming out of high school into college and thinking to myself that if I can just get that situation, if I can just have that relationship, if I can just have that girlfriend, and then you finally have that girlfriend, and then after three months, you're like, man, that didn't meet the need, and vice versa, girls towards the, the guys. And I remember, I remember as a, an athlete, if I could just be this size, if I can just accomplish this, and then you get it, and it satisfies for about three weeks. How many times you businessmen and women have said, if I can just have this contract or this job or this situation, and you get it, and it satisfies, but only temporarily, only to leave you wanting. And then we often, often have to up the ante. If I can have just this house and maybe just this other house. Nothing wrong with accomplishments, but if you're looking for accomplishments to meet that need in us, it never does. No relationship does. No accomplishment ultimately does. I like what St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, here, here's what he says. He says it so well. Man, this is powerful. He says, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. See, I, I believe the Bible is so clear. And we're going to be talking about this for six weeks, that, that ultimate fulfillment, listen to me, ultimate fulfillment I'm going to look at it every way I can to try to get you at the end of six weeks where you understand these truths. Number one, the restlessness in our hearts, the peace that's missing, the peace that's broken, that, we, that we're longing for ultimately, that, 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 that life itself cannot meet the need that only God can in the human heart. That when we have a relationship with Almighty God, and number two, when we begin to discover that we have a purpose in God. 
I don't want to live my whole life only to end, listen, not fulfilling the call of God, the purpose that God has for my life. Do, do you know that you have a purpose from God? In other words, God has designed you intricately, intimately design you. And I believe that's what sums up life. It's knowing God, having a relationship with God, and then fulfilling God's purpose. Some of you may call it the will of God. Some may call it the destiny of God. Some may call it the purpose of God. It's doing what God's called you to do. It's being what God's called you to be. Therein lies what I believe is the missing piece for all of us. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says it so beautifully. Paul writes to the church. He says, for by him all things were created. God, all things were created by God that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things. Everybody say all things. That includes us. All things were created through him and for him. You mean I was created by God, for God, that's what the Bible says. Ultimate satisfaction comes from knowing that. John says it this way in the book of Revelation, I love this. John says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created, say it again, all things. And by your will they exist and were created. You know, I, I, I say it this way, I, I, I like to... I liken it this way. God is the source. He is the creator. And listen to me very closely. In this sense, listen to me closely. God is the watchmaker. And we're the watches. What happens is, 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 is ultimately, ultimately, we're all watches, but, but, but we really can't ask one another how we, how we tick. So, so we talk to talk show, we, we look at talk shows, we read books, we read journals. But, but ultimately, you got to ask the watchmaker himself. He knows what life's about. He knows how your life, he knows what gets you fired up, how he designed you, that passion he put in your heart. He's the one. It ultimately goes back to understanding that there is a watchmaker. C.S. Lewis, the famous author from Oxford and ultimately Cambridge, I mean, just a brilliant Englishman that many of us know him by the trilogy of books and the, and, and the amazing books, the Chronicles of Narnia. How, how many remember seeing the Chronicles of Narnia when it came out on the movie? It was just amazing. And he, he wrote a, just a plethora of children's books and, 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 and apologetic books and Mere Christianity, one of the most uh, widely sold books in the history of the world apart from the Bible. If you know his story, at 15 years old, he declared himself an atheist as a young British boy. A young Englishman, he declared because he looked around and he saw all the pain in the world and he declared because of all this pain, there, there can't be a God. And so he declared himself an atheist. And for 20 years, he became highly educated. I mean, he had degrees after degrees and was a, was a professor at Cambridge and a medieval philosophy. And, but he set on a quest to read all of these books by, by all these different religions, and, and he made a vital mistake. He set out to read the Bible. If you're an atheist, don't read the Bible. It'll mess you up. <laughs> and he also forged a relationship with J.R. It's not J.R., it's J.R.R. Token, who is the writer of the, the trilogy of The Lord of the Rings who was a dynamic Christian, and he got in this little study group, reading the Bible with token. Boy, that was dumb. 
And sure enough, he was dramatically converted. He was absolutely converted and he came into a relationship with God. Watch this. And he discovered a relationship with his loving creator and he began to understand the purpose that God created him for. Life took on a whole new meaning. You guys may have seen this recently. I, I was, it was really cool during uh, Christmas time. The founder of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, maybe you guys saw this. Uh, he, he had, he, he's been having these, these experiences recently. He, he was uh, raised Jewish, very similar to C.S. Lewis, declared himself an atheist as a teenager. Matter of fact, on his profile on Facebook, he put him, he's put there for years, atheist. But over the last year, there's been some shifting. He had a, he had a dynamic encounter with the Pope. Uh, in Italy, he, he's had experiences, uh, been reading different religious writings, primarily within the Christian realm, and now he has now taken atheists down from his profile. He no longer considers himself an atheist. As a matter of fact, he put uh, on Facebook during Christmas, you may have seen this, he, saw Mary, he said Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. I don't know if that's legal. He doesn't care. He's richer than most people in the whole world, right? I'll sue the people that sue me. But anyway, I'm not saying he's a Christian, but listen to me closely. Listen to me. He's on a search. A guy's got $50 billion, can do anything he wants, but he realizes that something is missing. I want to say this so respectfully. I so honor the people that come to our church each week that are seekers that come from no church background or maybe you're part of church as a kid or a Sunday school and you walked away 20, 30 years and you, I, I, we're so honored that you're here and, and we've really designed this for you, this, this whole series for, for you. I'm, and, and, and you know, and you may be very accomplished, very successful, very financially successful, professionally successful and you run teams and big corporations or whatever, but you know there's something missing. And you've given me the opportunity over the next six weeks to talk to you. I wanna to suggest to you that that part that's missing, like C.S. Lewis found, like I believe Mark Zuckerberg is searching for and he's, he's seeking, God is drawing him, it's a relationship with God. But not just that relationship. And that's where some people stop. It's the relationship with God foundational, but then it's, it's understanding our purpose in God. I want to talk to you about that today as I set out to define kind of where we're going over the next six weeks. And I want to do it by talking about that we were born to know God. But I want to begin with how God created us. Number one, if you have your notes. And by the way, I want to say at all of our campuses on the South Shore on the Gulf Coast online, you have notes at the bottom of your screen. All of us here at Little Creek, I, I want you to follow along. I put notes in your bulletin every week for your good. Uh, psychologists, educational psychologists would tell us, educators would tell us, if you take notes, even if you leave the notes there and rip them up and throw them away, you'll retain a lot more. So that's just a thought. Number one, you and I were born, listen, to know God, but to begin with, we were designed in God's image. See, you, you have to understand that you and I, yes, we were born and know God, but how did God create us? Well, you were created in the image of God. Now, listen to me closely. Unlike animals, now I know there's a lot of animal lovers in our church. My assistant is an animal lover. I say this respectfully, but animals are not made in the image of God. Well, what does that mean? 
Well, goats are not made in the image of God. Cows are not made in the image of God. Sheep are not made in the image of God. Dogs are not made in the image of God. And I know this is going to be very painful to some people. Cats are definitely not. <laughs> They're made in the image of something else, okay? Don't have time to unpack that. It's a different message. You, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? It means that we have a moral conscience. That we know right from wrong. We're not just instinctual beings. An animal is an instinctual being. What does that mean? They live to survive, eat, procreate, and sleep. We have more than that. We, we, we understand that there's a right and there's a wrong. That we have a moral conscience. Being made in the image of God means that we can talk to God and God talks to us. That we can interface and interact with God. Listen to what Dave, David said in the, psalmist, King, in the Psalms. King David. It's pretty cool right here. He says, you, you've made them a little lower than the angels. Talk about mankind. And you've crowned them with, with glory and honor. See, I believe it's clear when you open the Bible. In the beginning, God. God's the creator. In the beginning, God. And God created. Let there be light. And God created the universe. Now, God existed before the universe, but he created the universe. But, but he was driving at a point. you got to see this. The apex of his creation was mankind. It was you and I, because God wanted to connect. He wanted to relate with us. He had all the animals. He had all the birds. He had all of that. He created them before mankind, but he wasn't satisfied because he wanted a relationship with mankind. And let me tell you something. When you understand that you're made in the image of God, you understand you're valuable to God. I never forget. I was talking to this teenager one time. I talked to kids for 10 years before I became the pastor of Church of King in my twenties. That's, that's what I did. And I never forget talking to this kid. He came up to me and said, Steve, I just feel like I'm worthless. I, you, you, if you knew what happened in my life, if you knew what I went through, if you knew what I, I it's just, I went through all these things. And, and I'm going to tell you, it was horrific. I mean, just thing after thing after thing. I could understand from his perspective why he would have a poor self-concept. But I said, let me just tell you something. Your, your life's not, you're not an accident. Even though you were told you're an accident, I want to say this very closely and very clearly to everybody. Even if your parents told you you're an accident, you weren't an accident to God. God used them just to get you into the earth. You're valuable to God. Very valuable to God. And I asked him, I said, hey man, you got any money in your pocket? And he pulled out, he pulled out a $20 bill. I said, can I have it? He goes, you gonna give it back? I said, I might, can I, can I have it? He goes, okay, and he gave me the $20 bill. I said, let me ask you a question. And I'm just talking to him like this and everybody else. I used to, sp I spoke to thousands of kids. That's what I would do. I would speak in junior highs and high schools all over the place. And, 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 and I said, you see, see this money? He goes, yeah. I said, how much is it worth? He said, well, $20. I said, let me ask you a question. What, what if I just started yelling at this $20? You are a loser. You're a scumbag. I never desired you. I never planned you. You can do nothing right. Let me ask you a question. How much is this worth? He goes, $20. I said, what if I just kind of crumpled it up and just kind of threw it on the ground and I stomped on it and I put my foot on it and I picked it up. I said, how much is it worth? He said, $20. I said, what if I just ripped it in half? And there was a group of girls over there went, no! I said, how much would it be worth? Everybody, how much? It doesn't matter what you say to it. It doesn't matter how you rip it. Let me tell you something. This is still worth $20 in the same way. Some of your lives have been ripped. You've been screamed at. You've been put down. You've been kicked. But you're made in the image of God. You are valuable to God. 
valuable to God. Extremely valuable to God. You, you and I have been made in the image of God, and part of that is that we can connect with God. God is spirit, and we're spirit. Look, look what it's, I, I did this little image, and I put it in your notes, if you can pull that up. Listen to me closely, you are a spirit. What does that mean? You're, you, you're a spiritual being, you're a spirit. That's another distinction between us and animals. Again, and I, and I have animals, I'm not against them, but you're different. You're different. You have a spirit, you are a spirit. The Bible says, Jesus told in John, he says, those who worship God must worship God in spirit. You are a spirit, that's how we relate to God, all right? But you also have a soul, a mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. And the way in which we connect to this world around us is seeing and tasting and touching and feeling. But, but, but before we have a relationship with God, this part of us, watch this, this part of us is, the Bible says, is dead. It's not alive to God. See, before, before our relationship with God, our, our, all that basically is operating is our mind, will, and emotions in our body. But this is the ache. This is what Prince Charles was talking about. This is what Levine was talking about. This is what uh, Princess Diana was talking about. This is where C.S. Lewis, this is the ache. It's a spiritual ache. You can be intellectual, you can have a strong personality, you can be in shape in your body, but the ache is a spiritual ache. Being made in the image of God means that you and I can connect with God. Prior to having a relationship with God, that, that part of us is dead. That's why it's so important that, 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 that we come alive. It's interesting. I, I've had people tell me before, they, they say, well, Christianity, it's basically, it's basically God tries to make bad people good. Listen to me closely. That's not Christianity. It's not about making bad people good. It's about making people that are dead alive. It's you come alive in God. And by the way, that does impact your behavior. But this is not a behavior modification thing. It's first an internal transformation. It's knowing God. Everybody say knowing God. Fact is that we're made in the image of God. Because we're made in the image of God, the image of God, the likeness of God, the dominion of God, all this is in Genesis. We're not God. We don't evolve into God-like status, but we're made in the image of God. If I look in a mirror, I'm not the mirror, but I see the image of myself in that, in that mirror. There's characteristics about God that God imprinted into us as human beings. It's funny, this, this um, little girl came home and she was talking to her parents. And, she, and her parents said, well, what would what, y'all learn in children's church today? Sunday school, what would what, y'all learn today? She goes, well, we learned about creation. We learned about how God made Adam. And that was good, that Adam was lonely. Well, then what did you learn? Well, then Adam was lonely, so God made Eve. But the way he made Eve, Dad, is, is he made Adam go to sleep, and he took his brains out and put them in Eve. <laughs> <laughs> she said that. That's a powerful young lady right there. She... If you don't know the Bible, it's he took his rib out, okay? <laughs> you didn't get that. Read Genesis. But anyway, so. <laughs> All right, number two. Y'all like that, huh? So number one, we're designed in the image of God. <laughs> number two, your life was designed. This is a heavy point. Boy, you got to get this point. Please don't miss this. You were designed by God before you were born. Whoa, pastor, this is getting heavy. It's in the Bible. You were designed by God before you were born. God, God had a plan and a purpose before your life, even before you had a, your first breath. Before your parents conceived you, 
God had a design for you. Just remember that God exists before time. He's not constrained by time. And the creator of the world, the creator of the universe knows you intimately. He knows what makes you tick. He knows the gifts he put in your life and the talents he put in your life and the interests and the aspirations. He designed you. Watch this. On purpose, with a purpose. I, I love what Paul says in Ephesians. Here's what he says. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, everybody say it, beforehand, that we should walk in them. There's an intentionality to God's design where God designed us and God planned us. In a sense, listen to me closely, in a sense, and you may want to write this down, the plan of God for our life, the purpose of God for our life, the destiny of God, all those are analogous terms. The purpose of God for our life, the destiny that God has for our life, it's not our decision, it's our discovery. We discover how God has planned us. We discover the dream of God that God has. He's the creator. That's what happened to C.S. Lewis. When he became a Christian, his spirit came alive and he began to understand that all of those gifts and talents, listen to me closely, all of those books that he was writing previous to Christ, being a Christ follower, that were trying to dispose Christianity and, and, and they were trying to debunk Christianity, all of those gifts were happening in him prior to being a Christian, but after he became a believer, he realized that all of those writing gifts and those talents that God had put in him, that God had invested in him, were ultimately to be used for him. I, I was thinking about a mousetrap this week, and the mousetrap, the intricacies of mousetrap, now watch this, there's the little wooden piece, right, the little bottom, I mean, I'm going 70s, man, I'm going, I know there's sophisticated ones here, but those things don't even work. I mean, it's like, we gotta go 1970s wooden bottom mousetrap, all right? And there's that little lever, and you pull it down, and then the little lever, and the mouse hits it, and bam! So there's a lever, there's another little piece that holds it down, then there's the spring attack. There's like five or six little pieces to that mousetrap. Now, now if, that, if the mousetrap was strung out, if it was kind of busted and thrown all over the garage, if those pieces were not working with a synergistic sense, it's not catching any mouse. But the design of the mousetrap is that every part of the mousetrap was intricately to move and operate together. Now listen to me closely. When you look at the human body and the soul and your mind and you and I begin to understand the intricacies of the human psyche and the physiology, how intricate it is, and I say this respectfully, it blows me away that an evolutionist would simply believe that we are slime plus time. That somehow in some primordial ooze that we were. Now listen to me, listen to me. The intelligence of the design bespeaks of a designer. We, we believe the, in intelligent design, that God in his creative intention, the apex of his creative order was not the plants, not the animals, but it was mankind. Do you know the eye itself has over 200 million little parts? That's big. That didn't just happen. There was a designer. In the same way that he made your eye, he made your personality. I'll never forget my mom told me growing up, she goes, thank God there's only one Steve Robinson. Come on, you know. 
There's nobody like you. There's nobody like you with your palm. There's nobody like you with your personality. You can have two kids, three kids, four kids, five kids, grow up in the same home, same parents, same everything. You can have twins. You can have triplets, quadruplets, but, but they're different. Why? Because there's no two people alike. And that's why this whole thing is so powerful. It's the discovery that God places upon us, discovering what God has created us to be. God's created us, God's created us to do. David said it this way in Psalms 139, so powerful. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. For my frame was not hidden from me when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Look at this next verse. For your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. That life is so precious. And in your book, what's up? There's a book. They were all written these days that were fashioned for me when as yet there was, everybody say it, none of them. He's not talking about the Bible. Everybody say God has a plan. Now I know what some of you think, pastor, oh my gosh. If you knew the mess ups in my life, that's okay, listen to me closely. God is so big, so grand, so powerful. God will even take your mess ups and listen, when you get off, he's got U-turns built in to get you back on track. How many are grateful for the grace of God? Come on, are y'all grateful? You grateful? You remember Samson? Remember how he messed up? He messed up and at the end, he still fulfilled the plan of God for his life. Wow. I believe that God created you and uniquely fashioned that you and I are a solution to a problem in the culture in which he placed us, in the time in which he placed us. David said it this way, or it was said of David. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, you weren't born in the 1850s for a reason. You weren't born in the 1750s. You weren't born in another generation. You weren't born in 2226 for a certain reason. But I was born in 1968. There was a reason that God put me in because, because God knew the cultural problems. God knew the issues that we were going to be dealing with. And God designed my life just like he designed your life. And he had you birth. He just used your parents. That's it. Don't freak out if your parent wasn't there or mom wasn't there. If you were told as a kid that you weren't wanted. No, God wanted you. And he saw you and he fashioned you and uniquely in you is part of how God is going to solve issues in culture and life. Mechanics solve car problems and dentists solve teeth problems and accountants solve tax problems and lawyers are supposed to solve law problems and legal problems and whatever. <laughs> I said that respectfully. And God designed you to solve a problem. I'm working hard to get this apart, but I feel like some of you guys are seeing this. Before Jeremiah was born, look what he said to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1, before I formed you in the womb. That's why we believe in life. I knew you before you were born. I sanctified you. Are dangerous a prophet to the nations? God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. I'll never forget, I came to Christ. October 26, 1987, right, right, right as I was turning 19 years old. I was a freshman in college at Tulane University. I was in a Bible study with a bunch of college kids and 11 months after that, I was in a, another group and I, I was, I, I, somebody asked me a question. They were all talking like we'll have in our, in our, in our small groups and you guys will participate. Hopefully this week, there'll be seven, 8,000 people in small groups. And somebody asked a question and listen to this, listen. 
And when I answered the question, Pastor Doug Arman, who's on our staff now as a pastor, at that time he was Brother Doug, and he was our small group leader. I'm 19, he's 23 years old. And listen, and he said, along with two other people, he said, Steve, you know what's crazy? When you answer those questions, it just makes sense. I'm like, what? I'm 11 months out of the French Quarter not serving Jesus. <laughs> Don't even want to tell you what I was doing. And all of a sudden, when I answer a question, it makes sense. Well, can I tell you, the gifts that God put in my life, they were there before I was a Christian. The only difference is after you're a Christian, those gifts are sanctified, and now it's not all about you, but it's about glorifying God and helping other people. Are you with me? <clears throat> Let me give you this last one and we'll close. You were born to know and love God. So you were made in the image of God. Your life was planned before you were born. And you were born to know and love God. God created the entire universe. He created the planet. He created the entire human race. Watch this. Then he created you. That's how special you are to God. And God created you, listen, on purpose, for a purpose, for himself, and for this planet. But God created you so that you can know God. Can you imagine how much it must break the heart of God when he sees one of, one of the, the people that he created there in his image that stiff arm him and say, nah, I'm going to do life apart. You know what sin really is? It's living life apart from God. That's really what it is. I'm gonna do my own thing. It's independent of God. I know what some of you think, man, how do I know God? And how, how, am, I gonna be, how am I gonna love God? I had a guy one time, he, he, he said to me, he says, Steve, I'm trying so hard. Listen to me closely, I'm closing. He said, I'm, I, I, I'm trying so hard to love God. And I said, that's your problem. But what do you mean? I have a tendency to say shock statements sometimes to get people out of the just ritual and I'm just like, that's your problem. He goes, what do you mean that's my problem? I said, well, you're trying too hard. To do what? You're trying too hard to love God. I, I thought that's like the deal. I said, no, 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 no. Listen to me closely. Number one, you have to know how much God loves you. And when you know how much God loves you, your response will be an overflow of your love towards God. How many are grateful that God loves you and you're good and you're bad? You're grateful? I'm grateful. God loves you. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter one. It says this, Paul said, even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us. Listen to me closely. Listen to me. This is so important. Those of you that feel unloved by humans, you need this verse. All of us need this verse. He loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Look at verse, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us unto himself through Christ. That's what he wanted to do and it gives him great pleasure. The problem with us sometimes is we're trying to be Christian, but we don't understand how much God loves us, how much Christ loves us. I'll never forget I was in that Bible study, October 1987. And everybody's sitting around a bunch of college kids, and that thought in my mind, I'd messed up too bad. I wasn't a Christian. I'd messed up too bad. I'd gone too far. And I remember hearing the, just the voice of God, I love you. Steve, I have a plan for your life. It was the love of God, how much God loves me, even though I was a mess. That's what breaks a person over. It's the surrender to God. Christianity's not this. It's this. God 
Thank you for your love. Thank you for your washing. Thank you for your cleansing. You know when Adam and Eve messed up? When Adam and Eve chose to disobey God? The very, very back, Genesis chapter three, God said you can eat from everything, not this one tree. And they chose to disobey God. And they chose to live a life independent from God, broke the heart of God. God had a solution. God had a solution to the sin problem. Listen to me closely. And the, here's what I found. The farther that you get away from God, the farther that you live by yourself, the farther that you move away from true love. You can't find it in this world. But the moment that you surrender to God and you say, God, I, I need you, is the moment that you first receive his love. And you watch this. And he cleanses you and he loves you. Religion, by the way, this week in our small group, you're going to read about Nicodemus, a religious ruler. He thought a Christian, he, he thought knowing God was all about his works. You're going to read about what it means to be born again, have a relationship with God. This week, you don't want to miss your small group. But Christianity is it's different than us and our works. It's where we surrender to God. It's what C.S. Lewis did. He, he surrendered to God. He surrendered. He says, God, life doesn't make sense without you. I quit trying to lead my own life independent of you. I, I give you my life. And he received love from God. Brilliant man. What, who knows what his IQ is? 180? I don't know. But the love of God moved past that to his spirit, to his heart. And he felt loved by God and he was cleansed of his sins. And he came alive just like I came alive 20, 28 years ago. 28 years ago. Listen to me closely. We, we are going to have an amazing six weeks. But you need to know this. God loves you. God's not mad at you. God desperately wants a relationship with you. He created you. You, you don't have to live this life anymore independent from him. But you can surrender. And when you do, you receive his love. And when you do, you begin to know God. And when you do, you begin to really know who you are in your purpose. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your presence here. What an amazing group of people that you brought. Lord, I, I am so excited because I know that this is going to be a transformational time. And the people in our church and the people that are coming, they're just coming. Maybe they got a postcard and that's maybe you. And you thought, man, I'm going to try it. I'm going to check this place out. This church isn't about me. I'm just a messenger. But it's about knowing a God that loves you that really cares about you, that really wants to forgive you, that really wants to fill you with his spirit, that really wants to help you to discover his purpose for your life. Oh, that's when life, that's when life takes on meaning. That something missing is now filled. If you're in this place today or at any one of our campuses, matter of fact, I'm gonna ask everybody just to bow their heads. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I'm really not at peace with God. See, that's what the cross was about. God sending his son Jesus to die in a place to take our sin, to wash us so that we can experience his love and his cleansing. Do you know Christ? If you die today, you're ready to stand before God. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just gonna ask for a simple show of hands. Pastor, pray for me, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not gonna wait long. If that's you, right where you are, at any campus here at Little Creek, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me. I'm not at peace with God. If that's you, one, two, three. Quick.